0: are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. So, the message for today is, Jesus is the Christ. Now, in in a bigger picture, you see behind me, we are looking at the Gospel of Luke. This is God's plan for salvation. You could also say this is God's plan for redemption of mankind. So back during the, the Christmas season, we looked at the birth of Christ, the miraculous birth of our Lord. And now what we're gonna see is he is going to begin to reveal to the world who he really is. See, we get the unique opportunity as believers in the year 2021, we we have the Bible. We know how this story ends. We're reading as an onlooker. But at the time, the, really the only people who knew, let's run through it in Luke 1 and 2, we have, of course, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, Zacharias, Elizabeth, Mary, and then Jesus himself. Now, you could add a couple more people, Simeon and, and Anna, people like that, but really... Jesus is a full-grown man now. He is 30 years old. He is baptized, as, as we looked the last couple of weeks. He was baptized by John the Baptist. That is kind of ushering in the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. So he knows who he is, but the rest of the world doesn't know. So what we're going to see today is a couple of different points where he is going to begin to reveal his divinity, his divine nature. He is going to say, I am God. I am Jesus Christ. I am the I am. So, like I said, when we left off last week, we looked at the temptation of Christ. That's where he was led by the Holy Spirit to go out into the desert. He was tempted for 40 days by the devil, and the devil got a whooping. We talked about that last week. But I want you to look at uh, Luke 4.14. It says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region." And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Now, there's a lot just in those first couple of verses, but I want to point out where Galilee is. So if you look at Israel on a map, it's about the size of New Jersey. So when you look at that, kind of in the south central region, that is where you have the mountains, the Judean mountains. That is where the major city of Jerusalem is. So When you go north, about 40 or 50 miles, that's where you have the Sea of Galilee. That is known as the region of Galilee. Within that, you have a lot of different little cities, places like Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazin, Nazareth, all of them are in this Galilean region. So today, and I encourage you to go and read Luke chapter 4 several times this week and really kind of capture the depth of what it is that is going on here most of jesus's ministry takes place in this galilean region so we know that he he returns from the temptation in the power of the holy spirit and he is going to begin doing what we talked about that is revealing that he is the christ so what does he do he's a hometown boy he goes to his hometown of nazareth remember he was born of the virgin mary But his earthly father was Joseph. So the people in the hometown of Nazareth knew Jesus, the little boy, growing up. They didn't know him as God. He is going to reveal that to them today. So let's go ahead and read. Um, I want to read all of this and then we'll come back and, and begin to unpack it. So let's look at Luke 4, starting in verse number 16. It says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And we're going to stop right there for the time being. Because I think it's important for us to understand what was going on here at this particular time. So, in a traditional Jewish service, much like a Christian service, we have praise and worship, then we have usually an invocation of a prayer, then we have preaching, which is a proclamation of God's word, then a, uh, a teaching associated with it, and then we close with more praise and worship. A traditional Jewish service, they would also have the invocation, but then what they would do is they would recite something which is known as the Jewish Shema, S-H-E-M-A, or for our Hebrew-speaking friends, our Shema Israel. And don't laugh at my pronunciation. I know my mom is laughing right now because she's watching. The, the Shema is something that Jews recite every morning and every evening. This is to remind them of the Lord. I don't have a, a slide for this for those who are watching online, but this is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And I just want you to listen to this, because this is coming directly from the book of Deuteronomy. Jews to this day still recite this every morning and every evening. But also at the time of Jesus, remember, they were Jews. Jews. He was teaching in their synagogues. And so something like this would have been read at the time. It says like this, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That is something that they would recite in the synagogues back then, which they still do today. And for those of you who have the, the version Bible app, we have additional scriptures from Deuteronomy as well as Numbers in there if you want to study that out even further, which I encourage you to do. But the reason this is important is because we're talking about the Jewish synagogue, how the, the service itself was going. But I want to remind you of Deuteronomy 6.4. This says a lot about the Lord. Hear, O Israel, or hey, Jews, pay attention. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. So this is important to note because of what Jesus is about to do. See, they don't understand the Trinity. They don't understand God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They understand God is one. So following this recitation of the Jewish Shema, they would follow it up with prayer. Then they would read from the law and the prophets, which is essentially the Old Testament. This was usually done by a man in the audience, sometimes a Jewish rabbi. This would also include commentary, discussion, and teaching. And then they would close in a benediction. So their service looks very similar to ours. But I want you to see what happens. Let's go back to verse 16, Luke 4, 16. Then he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So he was someone who was in the audience or he was asked to read this particular passage. And he was handed the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found a place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Watch in verse 20. Then he closed the book gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were on the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am guessing that there was an audible gasp, a, <gasps> when he said that, because they were standing in the midst. Basically what he did was he said, I am God. Now, these are Jews. They studied the book of Isaiah. They knew it very well. They knew it inside and out. They knew that here in Isaiah, it's actually a quote from Isaiah 61. It is talking about the Redeemer to come, the one who is going to redeem mankind, who is going to save Israel. He says, Guess what? That's me. And he sits down and says, I am fulfilling this scripture. We're going to see eventually how they react to this, which is not, not favorable. But when we look at this as new covenant believers, we understand that Jesus fulfilled exactly what Isaiah 61 was talking about. Isaiah 61 refers to the servant, the redeemer, the one who is going to redeem humanity. Jesus fulfilled all of that. Not just for Israel, but he is going to fulfill it for all mankind. Now, what's interesting is I want you to look back at verse 19. This is still part of the reference to Isaiah 61. So what he does in verses 18 and 19 is he references Isaiah 61 verses 1 and part of verse 2. The first part of verse 2 of Isaiah 61 is to proclaim the acceptable year to the Lord. Now, what is he talking about? Get ready. This is so awesome. The acceptable year of the Lord in Isaiah 61 is a reference to Jubilee. Jubilee is what the Jews do every 50 years. And I want you to hear this. According to Leviticus 25, this does happen every 50 years. So what happens? Now, I need you to understand when Leviticus 25 was written, when it was written, Leviticus 25, Israel was a theocracy. That meant they didn't have a king yet. They didn't have a president. They didn't have a prime minister. The person who was in charge of the nation of Israel was God. So that God was their president. God was their prime minister. God was their ruler. They didn't have a king. So when they set this up, a jubilee year made absolute perfect sense. So what happens in a jubilee year, which these are still active today, by the way, Slaves were set free and allowed to return home. So if you own slaves back then, in a jubilee year, they get up and they go home, and you let them. Also, what would happen? Property was sold and returned to its original owners. Another thing that would happen, all of us with a visa bill, all debts, all debts were canceled. They were wiped out mortgage owners guess what there's some good news you don't own you don't owe a dime on your house all debts were canceled what this would do this balanced the economic system of the time this reset everything then everyone rejoiced in the Lord our Creator and I want you to listen to me for just a second why does Jesus reference a jubilee year. Why does he reference Isaiah 61, this acceptable year of the Lord? Because if you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to get this right here. Jesus came to cancel all of our spiritual death. Amen. So, you may be thinking okay that's all well and good let's go back through verse number 18 follow along with me it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me talking about Jesus because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor who is the poor let's raise our hands we are spiritually poor before we knew Christ He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Who is the spiritually brokenhearted? We might as well just keep our hands up through all of this because Jesus came to do that. He sent me, God sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted, the spiritually bankrupt, which all of us, every single one of us were before we came to Christ. It goes on. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Who was spiritually captive before Christ? One person raised their hand. Thank you, Jessica. Besides me, recovery of sight to the blind. Who was spiritually blind before they came to to know Christ? Me. They ought to write a song about that called Amazing Grace. Once was blind, but now I see. Amen. Amen. To set liberty at those who were oppressed. Who was oppressed? I was oppressed spiritually. But Jesus came to do that. He came to do all of those things. So it's important that Luke records what truly happened in that Jewish synagogue at the time. Because Jesus said, I came to fulfill what you just heard. All of that. See, they were looking for a king, a messiah, someone to ride in on a horse with armor and, you know, a a king, a true king. But Jesus came and said, you're looking at it in the natural. I'm looking at it in the spiritual. I came to set captives free. Then he says in verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord a jubilee year, not a physical, a spiritual jubilee. A spiritual jubilee. Now, it's important to note at the end, sorry, in verse 19, he stops halfway through Isaiah 61, verse 2, because the second part of that says, in the day of vengeance of our God. There's a reason he stopped because that has not yet been fulfilled. That is going to happen. God's wrath is going to be poured out to those who remain spiritually captive, those who remain spiritually brokenhearted, those who are spiritually poor, those who are still spiritually blind, and those who are still spiritually oppressed. We all know people like that. That's why our job as Christians is to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. The gospel that brings salvation. It is not us in our good works or our good thoughts or good deeds or anything like that. It is Jesus Christ. We have to place our faith in Him. Understand His grace. Not put ourselves in time out. Spiritual time out. Say, well, God would never save me because he doesn't know what I've done. Yes, he does. And he wants to save you. So let's see how they react. Let's look at verse 28. Luke four twenty-eight. This is how they react. So all those in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath and they rose up and thrust him out of the city. They led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. How did they respond to him saying, what has two thumbs and is the Messiah? This guy? How did they respond to that? They wanted to kill him. Why? Because it was blasphemy. These are devout Jews. They said, how dare you insult my God, my one true God? There's only one God. Remember from the Jewish Shema, there is only one God. How dare you say that you're him? But we know from Scripture, God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit is God, all three in one. We know that, but at the time they didn't. So how did they respond? They take him out. They're ready to pitch him off the side of a cliff. This is the that boy that they saw grow up into a man. They knew him. They knew his mom, they knew his dad. Probably visited at his house, spent, you know, holidays and, you know, things like that together. But also, what brought them to the synagogue is the word about all of his miracles. That this prophet was going around doing all of these miracles. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Back in verse 14 of Luke 4, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. Like, oh my gosh, have you heard about this guy? Man, it's crazy. I heard he did this, that, and the other. Word spread, so they came to see what all the hubbub was. In fact, when he looked back at verse 21, I know I'm jumping around, I apologize. Look back at verse 21. He began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Verse 23, and he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard you have done in Capernaum, do also here in our country, saying, we heard that you do miracles. Do one. Heal yourself. Let's see you. They put him on the spot and he was like, uh-uh. "Nope, I know what's in your hearts. And the answer is no. So they responded by trying to kill him. Now, when they accused him of blasphemy, that's why they wanted to kill him here in his hometown. They said, that is blasphemy. Hang on to that thought because eventually they're going to crucify him. Why? Blasphemy. That's what they officially charged him with. Okay, so I kind of got a little off my notes, but that's okay. So point number one, Jesus reveals that he is the Christ. He is God's anointed one. Or in other words, he is God. So what he did in point number one was he revealed to this Jewish audience, I am God's anointed one, as referenced in Isaiah 61. Points number two and three this morning, and rest assured, I only have three points. Don't applaud that. Uh, Points two and three really go together. Because what Jesus is going to do, he's going to reveal his identity, And he's going to reveal his authority. So let's go ahead and read Luke 4.31. Luke 4.31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, "'Let us alone.'" What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now let's jump down to verse forty. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases were brought uh, brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into the deserted place. And the crowd sought to keep him and came to him. Uh, uh, the crowd sought sought him and came to him, tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, "I must pre- pre-, try that again. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities, also, because for this purpose I have been sent." And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So again, our two points. The main point, Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. So point number one, he revealed it to the Jews that he is the Christ. Now what he's going to do, he's going to reveal his identity as well as his authority. So briefly, I want to go back and look at verse 34. So he is preaching in the synagogues, and there comes a demon-possessed man in the church. But watch what, now, this is another sermon for another time. You have the demon speaking through the man. It's not the man thinking this. This is the demon who has taken over this man. He has physically possessed this man, taken uh, his thoughts, his vocal cords, all of that type of thing. This is the demon speaking using the man's body. Watch what the demon says. Look at verse 34, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Let's stop right there. The demons know Jesus. They knew that he was from Nazareth. Were they there earlier in Luke? No, they just they knew that this is Jesus of Nazareth. So they knew his name, they knew where he was from. But watch what happens next. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, this is not a man, this is a demon who is saying, Uh oh, I know who you are. Let me show you, look at verse 41. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. The demons knew that. They knew that. They knew that Jesus had the authority and the power to mop the floor with them. They identified who he was. He wasn't a false prophet going out, you know, talking crazy out in the, the Galilean region. They knew exactly who he was. So, can you imagine? Again, we're, we're talking about the identity of Christ. That is, him going around, revealing that he is God's anointed one. These Jews are scratching their heads like, oh my gosh, that man is demon-possessed, but even he knows this guy is i might want to kind of pay attention to who this guy truly is so the demons knew his identity and jesus confirmed it saying essentially i am this person and even you know it but watch what jesus how jesus responds to them he rebukes them now that word rebuke means to call evil into submission so when it says that he rebuked them we think of a rebuke as kind of like a sharp, a sharp rebuke. That's usually the, the phrase that you hear. It's kind of like, no, uh uh-uh. but what Jesus did was he called that evil, evil into submission. You can see that in verse 35 it says, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. Verses 36, 39 and 41. Jesus rebuked them, but what this points out is that Jesus has the spiritual authority to be able to do so. That's the biggest takeaway from this here as we begin his Galilean ministry. He's going to heal the sick because he has that power. He's going to command spiritual demonic forces because he has that authority. Why? Going back to the main point, he is the Christ. He is God. He is God in human form. He is God with us. He knows it. We know it as new covenant believers reading this account. We understand it. But as gospel, the gospel of Luke continues to roll out, as we continue to go deeper into it, his closest apostles get to really see what, what and who he is. Let me give you an example. I'm kind of Gonna spoil it. But when you look at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus goes up there with Peter, James, and John. Those three reveals his true divinity to them. They're like, whoa. But then what he does immediately after, he calms the storm. We're gonna see this when we get there. According to Psalms, only God himself has the power to calm storms. Yet Jesus did it. So he's revealing, okay, you guys, I cannot drop this bomb on you all at once because you won't get it. So it's little by little. Think of it as breadcrumbs. He is revealing his true self, his true nature. And I want to close with this. I want you to look at verse 43. Actually, let's back up to verse 42. Luke four forty-two. Now when it was day, he departed and went, in, went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him, tried to keep him from leaving them, saying, don't ever leave. We, we love what you're doing. We love that you can do miracles. Did they truly love who he was? Not necessarily. It doesn't say yes or no, but anyone who was doing miracles, they wanted them to stick around. Their uncle got healed. Their aunt got healed. Peter's mother-in-law got healed. Why would you not want to keep someone around like that? But I want you to, the second thing, if you get nothing else from this morning, here's the second thing I want you to get. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose, I have been sent. Did he come to die on the cross for us? Yes, he did. But this is his earthly ministry. He is going around. The miracles were just the cherry on top. What was the meat of what he was doing when he went from town to town, from synagogue to synagogue? What was he doing? Preaching the kingdom of God. He was preaching the kingdom of God, saying, I am God. Get your minds right. Find salvation in me. The miracles were just a little bit of razzle-dazzle. And that's not to downplay any of these miracles, but that is to confirm to them, these unbelievers, that he is who he says he is. Amen? All throughout the book of Acts, we see that the kingdom of God is preached. Jesus as the Christ is preached. Miracles confirm that. Jesus is the Christ. He revealed it in the synagogue. He showed his power and authority. He revealed his purpose to the people to preach the kingdom of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that we are able to see from your word the purpose of Christ, that he was in fact your anointed one, that it is through him And through him alone, through faith, that we can be redeemed. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that he made. We thank you that he came to save us. That he preached the gospel to the poor. That he proclaimed liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those of us who were spiritually oppressed. Father, we used to be those things, but we are no longer because we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't place our faith in our works or our good intentions, but Father, we look to His work for salvation. And Lord, we say thank you for sending Him. Thank you for the sacrifice that He made that that He canceled all of our spiritual debts, past, present, and future. And Lord, just with a heart full of gratitude, we say thank you for that. Thank you for sending him. Because of your love for us, you sent him. Lord, we can never say thank you enough. Lord, it is with joy that we can leave this place here this morning to go out ready to share that good news of Jesus Christ with everyone that we come in contact with. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tonti Town, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.